Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Who's got their Christmas tree up? Anybody who wants to put their Christmas tree up? <laughs> Too early. Too early. No. I think. Uh, I think next week is about right. Yeah. <coughs> well, morning. We're carrying on our season, our series, looking at how the finished work of Jesus, the new covenant, the new deal that we have in God, how that impacts the way we see ourselves, the way we see God, the way we see other people, and the way we see our circumstances. So we've been hopefully reading this week uh, Colossians chapter 2. So we've got this incredible radical, beautiful freedom that Jesus has won for us through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. And how many of you know you live a life in a body? <laughs> if you don't, you'll be, I'll talk to you after if you, if you don't believe you live a life in a body. But we live a life in a body. We've got this new creation, brand new, brand new master, new gift of life by the Spirit, a new nature, and we live a life in the body. We live a life of walking, we live a life of talking, we live a life of sleeping, we live a life of eating, there's drinking, for some there's marrying, there's working, there's leisure, there's family. We live a life in the body. We've got this new life in Christ. And so freedom presents us with a multitude of choices to make every single day about this new life in the body. I mean, you know that our wills are deeply involved in our life in the body. We've got lots of choices we can make, like what you're going to eat tonight, and you don't pray and then ask God. Maybe you do, but I, maybe, maybe I'm not very spiritual because I never do. You don't necessarily ask God about every single detail of your life, but our wills are deeply involved in the way we walk. And so this verse in Colossians is really talking about how to live a life that's rooted in Jesus. Having Jesus as your foundation, as you're walking through life, so that you have a life built upon Christ. Paul says, so then, just as you receive Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Amen. And so we're looking this morning at actually how do we continue to live our lives in him. You received him as Lord. It means you received Christ. When you became a believer, maybe you're not a believer and you're wondering what is it to be a believer? To be a believer is to say to Jesus, come and be my Lord. I want to follow you. And so when you became a Christian, you received Jesus as Lord. You didn't receive human traditions. That's right. Yeah? And actually, to say it's really a dangerous thing if you think that following Christ is just human traditions. And maybe it's you this morning, you think, I was birthed in the church, and I was a baby in the church, and I've just gone to church all my life because that's how I was brought up. The question is, have you met Christ? As you received Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him. The problem is, and this is what was happening to the Colossians, or what was threatening to happen to them, is this, there's this walking with Christ, 
this putting your roots into Christ, having Christ as your foundation. There's this walking with Jesus. And what the Colossians were faced with is this, is that when these practices and these disciplines and these choices replace relationship with Christ, then we find ourselves in the same spaces some of the Colossians were being threatened with. We lose sight of Jesus. So instead of joyful relationship, they just were threatened with practices of do this, don't do that, hoops to jump through, self-denial, lots of complexity, do this, don't do that, value this and don't value that. There was these in-the-know people. Have you ever met spiritual in-the-know people? Have you, have you ever met them? They, they're in-the-know people. They know something you don't know. And they will tell you about their spiritual experiences and they'll go into lots of detail about what they do and what they don't do because they're in-the-know. And these in-the-know people had come into the church and were saying, we know a thing or two about spirituality. You want to experience things. You want to be in control as you're walking through life. You want to grow in maturity. Then we're going to show you what these things are. And it's really important in our day-to-day -day that we are rooted in Christ and following Christ. Because in those days, the in-the-know people had to come from somewhere else and infiltrate a community now you just need to Google and you can go to any church in the world every day if you want to and you'll have in the know people who will tell you about complex hoops to jump through, a rule for human living. And so these in the know people were saying, if you want to be like us and be spiritual like us, then we've got the rules for the good life. We've got some really rigid and severe Disciplines. We've got lots of complex hoops for you to jump through. Lots to lots of do this and don't do that, or value this and don't value that. And Paul is in this chapter saying that is self-made religion. This stuff of rigidity that they were promoting. It's self-made religion. And Paul says, I'm struggling for you. I'm struggling for you. I want to, you to know how hard I'm contending for you because I don't want you to be tripped up by these in-the-know things. I want you to enjoy the fullness of what you have in Christ. It's like these in-the-know people were denying the reality that when a person becomes a believer, they get filled with God. And they're denying and saying you lack something. In order for you to really be spiritual, I need you to do more, be more, jump through this. There's more for you to do. And Paul says, no, through Christ you've been brought into fullness. And so he says, my goal is that you're encouraged in your heart and united in love. So that you might know the full riches of complete understanding. In order that you might know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he says, I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So the people in the know were saying things like this. They were basically saying, the body is just bad. That's what they were saying. 
So they were saying, if you want to be really spiritual, you have to understand that every single desire of the body is bad. And so they were touching upon, say, food. So they were saying, food is bad. There's a danger with food. That food can lead to gluttony. And food can lead to a loss of self-control. And so then they introduced lots of really complicated rules about food and drink in order to stop people falling into, say, gluttony. Numbing pain through drinking and eating. So instead of saying to people, hey, if the Holy Spirit is pointing out to you that every time you feel low, you overeat and overdrink, they would just say, well, we don't deal with that. We'll just give you lots of rules. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. And the Gospel would say, we're living this life in the body. It's a brand new nature, but we still have the capacity, don't we, to numb our pain and numb our loneliness through lots of different ways. And the Gospel always says to you, bring that reality relationally to Jesus. Amen. Always bring it in authenticity and honesty to Jesus. Amen. If the Holy Spirit makes you aware that in an area, in the body, in your walking, talking, sleeping, interaction, in any area of your life, you think actually this is ungodly, you bring it to Christ. Hallelujah. You don't suppress the body through rigid hoops and laws. You bring it, understanding that self-control of the body is a gift of Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's not produced through being strong-willed and disciplined, determined individuals. Yeah. And so Paul is all the time saying the fullness of Christ, look to Christ, be rooted in Christ, walk with Christ, and the overflow then is an ability to lead yourself and follow Jesus as Lord and continue in him. Amen. But they were saying, no, deny yourself. Mm. Deny yourself, create lots of really rules around eating. So it could look like this, and it's interesting, there's a guy on the internet whose goal is never to die. <laughs> it costs $2 million for him every year to follow this plan so he never dies. That's his goal, that's what he's believing. He says, I won't die, I'm gonna beat death. And so he has a really rigid program around eating, drinking, and sleeping, so he never dies. Now, interestingly, his biological age, according, to, he's 44 and he says his biological age is 22. So, But he follows the blueprint, he calls it, and maybe there's some truth in it or maybe there isn't. But the reality is, it's harsh treatment of the body to suppress the body for another goal. And so today, the, those in the know might come and say, hey, just eat for energy. Don't just have bland food, because if you don't want to get into gluttony, don't have good tasting food. Make it bland, make it simple, make it something that's going to just give you energy and nutrition. This guy on the internet has 114 supplements every day. Now, those people might come and say, we're in the know. We know how to be spiritual. So take supplements. Or it can look like, have you, have you ever, I'm not doing a talk on fasting, but have you come across people who do harsh self-discipline on fasting? Yes. 
you know, they say, actually, if you really are spiritual and you really want to enter into spiritual experiences and you really want to be mature, then you need to follow a rigid blueprint of fasting. Now, fasting can be an amazing thing for strategically at different times recognising that God is the ultimate satisfaction, but they might make it a rule. And then you, you say you go into this and then on day 40 or whatever, you eat a marshmallow and you feel absolutely rotten because you feel like you've failed and you were so close to the spiritual experience, but you've let yourself down, let God down. <laughs> so Paul is saying in these verses that these human traditions, these rules and regulations, they all sound plausible and they sound like they've got wisdom and they sound like they've got elements of truth, but frankly, they're absolutely useless at transforming people's appetites and desires. It has no power. And he says, this harsh treatment of the body, it lacks any value at restraining sensual indulgence. It lacks any value in changing your heart relationship to absolutely anything. And so the person through harsh treatment hasn't actually changed their relationship to, to food whatsoever. They've not, in their harshness to their body, found Jesus all satisfying and delightful and amazing. They've just been harsh on themselves. Have you ever seen in the arcade, you know, by the sea, the, the game called Whack-A-Mole? Have you ever played that, where you grab a, a kind of a, it's like a baseball bat, and the idea is every time this little creature pops his head out, you have to whack it. And then just as you whack it, another one pops out over here, and you whack it. And the idea is as the game gets more complicated, the mole appears here and you go whack, and then it appears here and you go whack. And that's like that with these in-the-know people. They, they tell you to whack gluttony, whack it, whack it. And at the same time, as being tough on their appetites, another mole pops up, which is pride and ego. So whilst they're whacking food, they're not dealing at all with their independence and their pride and their egotism. They're boasting in their personal victory. They're telling you all about their spirituality, telling you all about what you need to do, and at the same time, it's not transforming the heart. It's not transforming pride. It takes the focus off Christ, and it places it on human disciplines and human traditions. And Paul says, look, when human traditions and rules replace Christ, you've lost connection with the head. Hallelujah. You've lost connection with the one who is the life giver. Mm. You're so busy whacking the mole over here, you're not seeing transformation and real deep freedom that's setting you free from numbing pain through something else, because you've lost connection from the head. And then he says, from whom the whole body, the church, is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows as God causes it to grow. Maturity, growth, is all a gift from God. And interestingly, in that verse, how does it happen? It's from the head, and then where does it come? Through the body. <laughs> and so... These people are so fixated on, we're in the know, we're in the know, we're in the know. And said, so Paul says, no, you've lost connection to the head and you've lost connection 
to the reality that it's through the body, it's through brothers and sisters. This growth that comes from God comes as it's through the ligaments and supporting sinews. That's you and me. Hallelujah. That's you and me. Have you ever heard people, and, and I'm not judging this one because it could be a really good one, who people who say, for me, not sleeping and getting up at three is a really powerful way that I connect to Christ. And as I'm sacrificing sleep, I'm enjoying walking with Jesus. And it's a really life-giving thing. And Paul would say that, that's, that could be amazing because you're getting rooted and founded on Christ. But don't let anybody judge you by their attitude to sleep. Because if you do it just because someone else is doing it that's and you right. feel judged by it, it's of absolutely no value whatsoever. It has no substance. It produces nothing in terms of relating to God. It's human sacrifice made by religion from self, by self, and for self. So, for the one, not sleeping and praying for the night, brilliant way of connecting. For another, sleeping through the night and then waking up and connecting to God, Brilliant. Let no one judge you. Or let's go a little bit more on to things that are not things that we do, but the way that we think. Mm. So harsh, self-critical, being harshly self-critical is a way of being tough on the body because you're being tough on your mind. Or false humility, putting yourself down, saying you're nothing, your nothing is being harsh yeah. on the body. Bottling up emotions mm. and not expressing is being harsh on the body. Never expressing needs or preferences is a type of being harsh on the body. Yeah. Saying nothing good dwells in me, that I have a wicked heart is both unbiblical, because you have a new heart and a new nature, but it's also tough on the body, because you place yourself under a weight of condemnation instead of living in the goodness of God. And these things lock people up and become like a straitjacket. I think there's a lot, I don't know enough about mental health to make this statement, but I've started it, so I'm going to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting, just as an observation from someone who knows nothing about this, how many people suffer serious mental health conditions and, and have delusions rooted in religious language? I'm just, I, I'm not saying it's all that, but the self of, the sense of weighty condemnation, I'm nothing, I'm a worm, there's nothing good that dwells in me, I'm wicked. The bottling up of things and feelings, not expressing them mm. because, well, I've just got to hold it all together, be stoic for God. God said rejoice and I said it again, rejoice. That means I can never be sad and I can never express disappointment. No, I think that's actually could be a danger on our mental health and a harsh treatment of the body mm. through... Um, kind of religiosity that becomes like a straitjacket. <coughs> See, the question to close from these verses isn't this. The question isn't, do you eat X or don't you eat X? Or do you drink this or don't you drink? Or do you sleep or don't you sleep? 
Or do you deny yourself certain legitimate pleasures, or don't you, or do you? The focus, when that is the focus, is absolutely useless for relationship. And Paul says when it's all about do you, don't you, harsh treatment, can I, can't I, he says, no, that's deceptive philosophy of this world rather than on Christ. Amen. Rather than on Christ. The main question is never what's the rule on eating? What's the rule on sleeping? What's the rule on drinking? The fundamental thing is, is it leading me to love Christ more? Is it leading me to be rooted and grounded and following Jesus? And if you want to know how you don't get caught up into maybe fine-sounding arguments or the, the in-the-know people, the antibody is always Jesus. The main question is, is the way I'm living my life, walking my life, talking, working, sleeping, eating, everything in my life, the whole life, we live a life in the body. We live a life in the body. Is that all leading to the exaltation of the Lord Jesus? Is everything I do or don't do, is it all leading to a preoccupation with Christ? Or is it leading to a preoccupation with self and by self and for self, all the things we looked at last week, Rochelle looked at, does it lead just to independent spirituality Amen. that isn't rooted into a, an exalting of Jesus by being part of a body. Amen. And Paul just says, no, they're useless. This is deceptive love of wisdom that's of the world. It, it, it has no reality in the spiritual. It's just of the world, made by the world, yes. and it's, it's a type of materialism. It doesn't relate to Christ. It doesn't Amen. relate to seated with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. It doesn't relate to the mystical way, the mysterious way that God liberates and transforms through relationship. It doesn't do that. And so he says, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives rooted in him and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Everything in life is relationship. Mm. It's walking with Jesus. It's putting your roots into Jesus. Mm. It's having him as your foundation. It's fixing your eyes on him. It's all for him. Everything Hallelujah. for him. There's life in the body. Everything is for him. Hallelujah. And so it's a good, an important thing to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Knowing why we do what we do requires the person of the Holy Spirit getting his insight and his wisdom. Tell me what's going on in my heart. Mm -hmm. And you might have an inkling. You think, actually, my relationship say, to, to, to drinking or to eating or the myriad legitimate good things that God gives. You might think, actually, I've got a relationship with the way I speak, I've got a relationship with the way I, the way I talk. Uh, that just, there's something niggling. What is it, Holy Spirit? Become aware in Him. And when you become aware in Him, don't create, do not create a harsh set of rules and loops that you think is going to conquer that thing you're now aware. Instead, come to Him and recognize that all growth comes through Him. Draw on the strength 
from brothers and sisters, that sinew and that ligaments and that strength that's going to come in community. You become aware. You bring it to God. I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm going to receive grace and strength. I'm coming to my brothers and sisters and saying, you've got strength, grace that's going to flow into me. And I'm going to confess this to another human being. Trust God for wisdom and help and power as you're walking along those things. Trust him for the work of God inside your heart, of him changing you, moving on things. But at the same time, even as he's working and doing, delight in him and don't take your eyes off him. And take a leap, finally, of faith and trust and trust Christ. I know you're bigger than this. I know you're more satisfying than this. This is going to look like something. I want to finish with this. Sometimes the practices that we do are rooted in fear. And sometimes they're rooted in superstition. And that was part of what was threatening the church here. These people were saying there's a spiritual realm. Do these things, don't do these things, and it will protect you from the, the spiritual realm that's going to impact you negatively. For in Christ is all the fullness of God, of deity that lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Mm. Jesus is the head of every power and every authority. That's why we fix our eyes on Jesus. Mm. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't have these supplementary things that we Mm. fix our eyes on thinking, I need to... I need to do X, Y, and Z around sleep. I need to do X, Y, and Z prayer rituals. I need to do certain things in order to feel safe. It's like declarations are incredibly powerful. But what happens if you start to trust your declarations more than you trust the king and you start to feel fearful because you didn't make them that morning? And you start to fear that life is not going to go so well because you didn't do your certain list of things that you think you had to do in order for the day to be fruitful. You then have to think, no, in that I'm losing connection to the head. He's with me even if I forget the things that are really good. He is the head. Jesus is the head of every power and authority. We don't need certain things. We don't need to go to certain places. We don't need to go to certain people. We don't need to practice certain things in order to have a freedom from any kind of fear and superstition. We come to Christ, we come to him and we fix our eyes on him. So Lord Jesus is going to pray for us. And maybe as I've been speaking, you've been thinking actually that's an issue, that thing, don't go digging, you think that thing is where I look to more than Christ. And even now, you just come to him and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm just aware. I'm just aware as I'm living this life in the body, I've got a really bizarre relationship with that. Or I look to that. Or I try to numb my pain with that. Or maybe you've really tried to, to really fight it, and you've tried to really fight it, and you've really tried to fight it, and you felt, actually, I'm just not getting breakthrough. I'm not getting freedom. I'm fighting it, and I'm being harsh and tough, but it's not bringing freedom. You might just in this moment say, Holy Spirit, I'm just aware. I'm just aware. 
I'm just aware. I received you as Lord. And I want to live my life in you. Amen. So I'm coming to you with that thing. And I'm coming to you in a powerlessness, not coming to you with my disciplines and my determination and my strong will. I'm not depending on my human ability. I'm just coming to God, just as I am. And I'm believing in this moment, as I come to you with it, that I'm stepping into the reality of your power and your resourcefulness, Lord Jesus. That you are the head of every authority. You're the head of every power. Amen. And I'm fixing my eyes on you, and I'm just coming to you as I am. And the Holy Spirit will just come and say, I'm going to give you hope now, because this is going to change. Because you're just coming as you are, and I'm going to give you hope, and I'm going to give you hope. Hope for wisdom. Hope for power. Hope that you won't have to keep going around the same cycle, this insanity, where you keep doing the same thing again and again, thinking it's going to be better. I'm going to give you hope. God's going to give you wisdom. He's going to put people around you. You've got friends around you. You can bring those to your friends and just say, in this moment, I recognise, I was aware, and I came to him for power, and I'm aware that I'm going to get hope from him and strength from him. If you've run out of your own juice, brilliant, because now you can run on the juice of heaven. If you've run out of your own discipline and determination, brilliant news, because now you're entering into the realm of unlimited reality of Christ. If you've run out of willpower, fantastic, you're in a brilliant place. If you've come to a place where you feel utterly powerless, fantastic. If you've tried what the people in the know say and it's just left you exhausted and burnt out, I'm sorry for you, but brilliant. Because you're now coming into, I'm coming to Christ. I'm looking to the head from whom all growth comes from. And then in this place of acceptance and love where you get to be the little one. Little ones don't know what they're doing. Little ones don't know the answers. Little ones don't have a lot of resources. They don't have a lot of power. They're dependent and they rely and they surrender upon the, the big one. And so even in this moment, come to him and say, I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender to you. Amen. I surrender to your love and affection. Hallelujah. The only harsh judge around here is, is you. Amen. You're harsh judging yourself. Amen. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins and he cancelled the charge, the legal charge that was against you. Mm which stood against you, that condemned you, and he took it, and he nailed it to the cross, and he disarmed the powers and authorities, and he made a public spectacle of them. Amen. Public spectacle was what they used to do. They used to lead the captive king army through the streets and mock them. He did that to everything that stood against us. That's who you are. Amen. And so any... Thing that you think, oh, in the body I've been such a slave and a captive to that. 
He nailed that against that thing that was against you mm -hmm. to the cross. Mm -hmm. It's finished. Amen. There's nothing between you and him. Mm -hmm. You can just come to him. And maybe you don't know him this morning. You can just say, Jesus, I want to receive you as Lord. You're such a, I just heard a little bit about you. You don't need to know a lot. I didn't know a lot. I didn't know anything. I just knew he was real and that he somehow loved me and that I wasn't alone in the universe and I just wanted to follow him and come with him and be with him. That's all I knew. And maybe that's all you know this morning. You just said, Jesus, I would like to walk with you. Amen. I would like to be the little one. I would like to be the small one. I've run out of juice. I've come to the end of my own fuel. Mm. Going to be fueled by God. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Wait in your presence, Holy Spirit. Mm. Thank you. When you're the little one, it means you enter into a space where God works in a mysterious way. And you don't always know what he's doing inside your heart. And you don't always know how he's transforming and changing and liberating you. You just feel that the little, the big one is working on the little one. Mm -hmm. And you get to be the little one. And that's what it is to be a Christian. You're always the little one. You're in the yoke with him, but you're always the little ox. You're always the tiny one. Always. Mm. Thank you, God.